Sounds like you. Sounds like me. <laughs> Sounds like me again. Well, it's good to be with you for this month. I do look forward every year to this month, and as long as the elders continue to leave this month open for me, I will be here as the Lord allows, and as He gives strength and as He gives health. We would love to be here every July. This is home. Love being here with you folks. And I uh, certainly do appreciate all of you. We're in John chapter 11, as John has expressed. So we're going to read a portion from John chapter 11. Beginning at verse 1 again. We will be in this portion for the month. We may, if the Lord allows and time allows, we may move into chapter 12 because it is connected directly to chapter 11. But we'll, we'll see that as we go along. So beginning in John chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore the sister sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you. And are you going there again? Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day... He does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him. Then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about taking a rest in sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead, and I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, but that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to the fellow disciples, Let us also go that we may die with him. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away, and many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went to meet him, but Mary was sitting in the house. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said, your brother will rise again. And may the Lord add his blessing to the reading of his precious word again this morning. Shall we pray? Father, we acknowledge that you are the one who has sent your son 
to redeem mankind. You are the God who loves. You are the God of all help and all comfort. And you are our God. And we give you thanks and we give you praise for this portion of your word. And we ask that your spirit might lead and guide and direct our thoughts this morning. That you may be glorified and your son might be lifted up. For it's this that we desire. For we ask it in his name. Amen. About two, two and a half years ago, I began praying at the request of a dear friend of ours in the Bahamas, Samantha, that you begin praying for Kelly and Dustin. Kelly, a young woman, probably in her late 20s, two beautiful little children, had contracted and diagnosed with a very, very bad cancer. I remember watching her first video as she was going to the hospital for her first treatments. And the, it was actually kind of uplifting to listen to her talking about her God and her love for her Lord. As the months went by, I watched her deteriorate. I watched her lose all of her hair as I was praying every single morning for her and Dustin. I watched as she, her kidneys began to fail. I watched as her heart was beginning to have struggles. As she did her chemo treatments and her radiation, I watched that poor woman with those two little children get worse and worse. And then I asked Samantha, I haven't heard anything from Kelly lately. Do you have any more updates? Well, time went by, I hadn't heard anything. And then last week, I was on Facebook. And there was a picture of Kelly and Dustin and their two little children. And she was sitting in the back of a car as the grand marshal of their town's parade on July 4th. Her hair growing back, her beaming smile. And the Lord had restored her. To health and strength. Wonderful, isn't it? My mom. Many of you knew my mom. But there was a point in my mom's life where she was x-rayed because she began having some problems with her breathing. And the doctor saw the x-ray and he brought her in and showed it to her and said, you have a rather large mass that's showing on your lung." We will need to do some further testing. We will need to do whatever is necessary. And we will we'll, you know, actively get on this. And so she agreed. She told the assembly to pray. And we were praying. And she went back to the doctors again. She was going back this time for an MRI. And they said, let's do another x-ray first. They did an x-ray and the doctor came back, flabbergasted and said, there is nothing there. I do not know what happened. My mom said, I know what happened. People prayed. People prayed. God answers prayer. Or does he? God answers prayer. Prayer 
changes things. Or does it? Does prayer change things? I believe prayer changes things. But it does not always change things in the way we might want it changed. Prayer often will change circumstances, but sometimes it will not answer prayer in the way that we want it and in the timing that we want it. But God will change things. Sometimes that change is going to take place not in the health of your physical body, but in the health and strength of your spirit before God and your soul and your faith that will be strengthened through times of hardship and times of trial. Faith, prayer will change things. We all pray. We all pray the same. We all ask for the Lord's healing. I wonder how many times I wonder how many times, I bet you can't number them, the Lord can number them, that the Lord has heard one of his people say, Lord, heal me. How many millions of times has the Lord heard that same prayer, Lord, heal me? And sometimes they're healed. And other times, he calls them home. Prayer changes things. Sometimes not in the way that we might expect. Oswald Chambers once wrote in his book, My Upmost for His Highest, Highness, he wrote this. We are uncertain of the next step. But we are certain of God. Immediately we abandon to God and do the duty that lies nearest. And he packs our life with surprises all the time. Leave the whole thing to him. It is gloriously uncertain how he will come in. But he will come. He will come. I don't know how many of you know the Cagliostros down in New Jersey at Fifth Avenue Chapel, Julie and Joey Cagliostro. Beautiful young couple with three beautiful children. This week, Julie gave birth to her son Jude, and she held him in her arms for 30 minutes before the Lord took him home. The family was there. All got to spend that 30 minutes with Jude. Jude was very sick in the womb. The doctors had already shown and proved that he had no kidneys. He had no, his, his lungs were not developing correctly because he had no kidneys. They told them that he would not survive outside of the womb. They knew. They knew. 
But Julie and Joey were determined to allow the Lord to take that life and not them. And that poor child was born. For 30 minutes they held Jude and the Lord took him home. Joey wrote this. And this was just a couple of days ago. Joey wrote, In conversations with our daughter, as she questioned God's providence in the situation, we shared our personal belief that even if God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we want, it doesn't mean that He is not there. Despite the outcome, we firmly believe that God is sovereign and we will continually praise Him. We truly miss our Son, but we are incredibly grateful for how everything, in capital letters, everything worked out so perfectly. It doesn't sound perfect to us, does it? It doesn't sound perfect. One wrote, once wrote, God is always faithful to His promises, but He often surprises us in the way He fulfills them. God, through prayer, changes things, but not always in the way that we think or the way we might desire or expect. In our story today, we have the story that surprises us. If we were not aware of this story, if we had not read it through thousands of times over the years of our sojourn, we would see here things that would be rather surprising to us, especially if we knew little of the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a new believer, it might really surprise us. And I hope it still surprises us. The way that the Lord works. The miracle in our text today, we know was performed in Bethany or right around Bethany, perhaps just outside the town where the grave was. And we mentioned last week that this is the last of his public miracles that we find recorded in the, in the Gospel of John. The very last of his recorded miracles in this Gospel that is designed to show Jesus Christ as being God incarnate in the flesh. That he is God who came to earth in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. It was the last of his public miracles. It is the last in that series of seven all of which have surprises in them, if you will take the time and go back and look at all of those miracles he performed. There are things that surprise us in every one of them. If we take the time to just sit back and live that experience, instead of just reading the words on a page, live the experience of what God did in the life's of those people. Now this last one was written that you might believe. All of these miracles were written. All of this account was written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in His name. 
That's why he gave us all of this information so there could be no doubt of who he is. That we might believe that he is, he is the, the promised Messiah. That he is the Son of God. And that we might possess life everlasting through his name. This final public miracle was to set the stage, if you will, for that final week of our Lord's life on earth. It was to give us a picture in the life of Lazarus of what he was to change and change forever. What he was going to do and what he was going to change Forever. He was going away, he would tell his disciples. I am going away. And in a little while you will see me no more. But in a little while you will see me again. In a little while you may see me again. He would be then crucified. He would be then buried. And then on that glorious Sunday morning, the first day of the week, he would rise up from the dead. I love that song. (laughs) I love that song. You will rise again. You will rise again. Did the grass sing? Did the grass sing? Did the earth rejoice to feel him again? Over and over, like a trumpet underground, did the earth seem to pound? He is risen! He is risen! And this story is a precursor, if you will, to what was going to be in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ and what he was going to do. They did not expect that he would die. They did not expect that he would, through his death, bring deliverance to the world. They did not expect that he would rise again from the dead. Now we remember, you remember that this town was just, it tells us here, was just a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem. And because it was a couple of miles outside of Jerusalem, a rather large crowd of people came to mourn the death of Lazarus. Now, we see things in our culture around death and mourning very differently than they did in that day and still to this day in that culture mourn. We are rather solemn. We will enter into the funeral parlor quite quietly Slip in, give our condolences, whatever that word means. We'll give our condolences, and then we'll sit down and maybe with soft talk, communicate with one another. Even if it's a believer, we might be laughing, we might be rejoicing in the fact that they have translated from this life to the next, and they're in the presence of the Lord. But nevertheless, we are quiet. It was not so and is not so in these eastern countries. 
It is a time of loud weeping and wailing. Of wailing and screaming wails. In order to stir up the emotion. To stir it up. They would even sometimes hire people who would come and be professional mourners. And come and mourn and cry in order to show how much this individual was missed. They would stir them up. So this, in this area, because it was so close, many had come out of Jerusalem, and with them, many of the leading Jews, or some of the Jews, who would bring back word of what happens, they came out as well. And they witnessed this miracle. This begins a chain of events. Now, we will see. He says this. He begins with this. This is, this is it's beautiful to me. He says, now a certain man was sick. Lazarus. A certain man was sick. I said earlier, and I'll reiterate it now, that many, many times the Lord has heard men say, a certain one is sick, Lord. A certain man, and then we'll name them, is sick. A certain woman is sick. Our dear sister Elaine is not well. Our dear sister uh, Joan Caruso is struggling. Our dear sister is sick. How often the Lord has heard that come to his ear. But you know, you know, even though millions and millions of times he has heard it, he hears your voice. He hears your call. He hears you. He doesn't get tired of hearing his children call on him. He doesn't get tired or weary of hearing you ask of him. He will grow weary of demands on him. But for those who will come, thy will be done, O Lord. And we seek his face. He will hear. A certain man was sick. Lazarus. Do you pray for the sick? Do you pray for the sick? So we ought to. It's biblical to pray for the sick. That the Lord's will and purpose might be done. And that our lives will be changed as a result. Some of you have had these life-changing experiences. Some of you have been near unto death. Right, Joey? Andrew? Near unto death. And the Lord has brought you back. And you rejoice. You rejoice. The Lord hears our prayer. But you notice what he says here. He says, a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, 
the town of Mary and her sister Martha. Then we're going to save these next two verses for a later time where he describes Mary because this is what will happen in the next chapter. It hasn't even occurred yet. He's going back to remind people that this is the one we're talking about. You know the Mary that did this. It was her brother that was sick. And we'll catch up on that in, in the weeks to come. Good Lord willing. And then it says, Therefore the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. Do you notice? Certainly you have your scholars of the word. Do you notice that it doesn't tell you anything about the severity of the sickness, does it? It doesn't say the messengers who come don't say to him, the one that you love is lying on a deathbed and you better come right away. They don't say that to him. They say the one that you love is sick. Oh boy, I love that phraseology and so do you. I love the phraseology that says the one whom you love. The one whom you love. I can look around this room and I could say it of each one of you that the Lord says the same of you. You are one that He loves. You are one that He loves. The Lord Jesus loves each one of you. And He doesn't love one of you more than the other. He loves us all. All with a depth of love that we cannot comprehend. Oh, Jesus, the one that you love, your dear friend, and he uses the word phileo here. He doesn't use the word agape. He uses the word phileo. Later he'll use the word, in the narrative, they use the word agape. But those two words are oftentimes misunderstood. Sometimes we emphasize one to the to the um, danger of the other. They both represent love and friendship and kindness. The Lord Jesus, the, the Father speaks of the Son as loving Him with phileo love. There is a closeness. There is a closeness that is there. The one that you have this friendship and this closeness and this love with Lord Jesus, he's sick. He doesn't tell him how sick he is. The messenger doesn't tell him how, how sick he is. But you know what? The Lord knew. The Lord Jesus knew. He didn't have to question himself and say, well, I wonder how sick he is. I wonder if he's going to die. Well, we'll just wait. We'll just wait a while. It's like nurses sometimes. We were joking about this at the VBS the other day. You know, somebody falls and gets hurt, and they, you know, we were talking about nurses that, you know, the son falls and gets hurt, breaks his arm, but it's not evident. And the nurse says, "Yeah, we'll, we'll wait until tomorrow morning. See how it is. See how it is tomorrow morning. Maybe it'll be better by tomorrow morning. You get up tomorrow morning, it's swollen up like this. Yeah, we'll be able to take you to the doctor." <laughs> he says, he "says you know, the one." that you love is sick, Lord Jesus. Doesn't tell him how sick he is. But you notice something else that doesn't happen here. The Lord, Lord says, you know, I know how sick he is. I know. I know 
that in all likelihood, the Lord knew at that moment in time, and we'll maybe look at this next week if we get a chance, at that moment in time, in all likelihood, he had already died. If you look at the timetable of this, and you look at the one day the messengers went out, the two days that he waited, and the one day to come back, it's four days he was likely already dead when the messengers got to the Lord Jesus. And the Lord knew. The Lord knew. The Lord knew. But you notice something that doesn't happen here, that happens in many of the other accounts where people are raised from sickness and near death. The messengers do not earnestly beg him. They do not earnestly plead with him. They simply give a message. The one you love is sick. You remember Jarius, the ruler of the synagogue, came to Jesus, falling down at his feet, begging him earnestly, my little girl lies at the point of death. Come lay your hand on her and she'll live. Earnestly pleading for his daughter. And the Lord comes, takes her by the hand, and raises her up to life. She's already you know, very, very, very sick at the point of death. And they wail and wail because of her death. Or even the nobleman's son, who implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of the death. And even the centurion's servant, to whom it is recorded that he was sick and close to death, and they came and begged him earnestly. That's what it says in Mark. It's gospel. They begged him earnestly. And in one, they said, you don't even have to come. Just speak the word. And he spoke the word, and over a great distance, that one was healed. Could he not have done that with Lazarus? Could he not have spoken the word and said, oh, just go back and tell Mary Martha that he is well, he'll be well, and by the time you get back, he'll be sitting up again and everything will be good. He could have done that. But he chose not to. Do you think perhaps Mary and Martha may have been praying, oh Lord God, send Jesus. Send him to us. For if he comes, my brother will not die. And prayer changes things. But not in the way that we expect. Not in the way we expect. Mary calls for help. Martha calls for help. This message is a call. It doesn't say she, they were pleading. It doesn't say they were begging. But she calls for help from the Lord Jesus. She calls for help. Thinking of Julie and their calls for help through nine months of pregnancy. A call for help. And now is a time of mourning. Now is a time of grieving. 
But the scripture tells us that God puts our tears in a bottle. But what does that mean? It means he doesn't forget. He's gathered them all together. He knows your broken hearts. He knows when you weep and you cry, when no one else ever sees it because you are strong on the outside and you only weep when you're alone in his presence. And the Lord remembers every tear that you have shed. He has stored them up, as it were, in a bottle, in remembrance. Joey and Julie's tears are in a bottle as are some of yours. And David, in that psalm, is expressing a deep trust in God. God will remember his sorrow. God will remember his tears. God will not forget about them. And he has put your tears in his bottle. Your tears in his bottle. David is confident, because it says in verse 9 of that same psalm, David is confident that the God is on his side. He says in the midst of all this trouble, all this hardship, all these tears, this I know, God is for me. God is for me. He's not against me. He's not opposed to me. God is for me. So ask away, my brothers and sisters. Ask away to your God who knows you and loves you. He hears, He remembers your will. Be done. Come to the garden alone. I love this song and I've recited it here many times. Come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses and the voice you hear falling on your ear. The Son of God discloses and He walks with you and He talks with you and He tells you you are His own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. You've all known it. But in that moment, it is it is as if you are the only one in his presence with his full attention. You've experienced that, haven't you? You've experienced that, haven't you? Because he sees you and he knows you. And more so even than that, he loves you. He loves you. He loves you. Well, we'll end there this morning. If I was at VBS, I'd say you have to come back next week to hear the rest of the story. But uh, the Lord loves you. Your tears have been kept in a bottle. He remembers. He saw Martha's tears. He saw Mary's tears. He knew that Lazarus had died. But he had a purpose in mind. And we'll see that in the weeks to come. Father, we are so very thankful to you for your word, for the power of your word, for the things that it speaks to our hearts and lives. Father, you know us. 
you know when our hearts break. You know when we weep and we cry and we plead with you. We know that prayer can change us and sometimes even change the circumstances in ways that we would desire and sometimes not. But Father, we know that you are a good God. And we know that you love us. And Father, in the hard things of life, we know that you are with us. And so we give you thanks. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.